Welcome to this podcast by The Rocks Church. We hope you find it challenging and inspiring. For more information, visit therocks.church. Well, almost exactly 54 years ago, on the 4th of April, 1968, Martin Luther King Jr. was assassinated on the lobby of his motel room in um, somewhere in America, I can't remember where. But um, for those of you who don't know, Dr. King was a key leader in American civil rights movement. He was working tirelessly to bring about racial equality in America. You may, have, you may be familiar with his famous, I have a dream speech. I have a dream that my four little children will live in a nation where they will not be judged by the color of their skin, but instead by the content of their character. Powerful. It was definitely a tragic day in American history, and his enemies thought that his death would silence him and end his dream. But the exact opposite happened. Waves of protests just swept across America, forcing the lawmakers to finally have to make a decision. And so, President Lyndon B. Johnson puts into law the Civil Rights Act, Civil Rights Act on April 11, 1968, only one week away from his assassination. How wonderful was that? That was incredible, right? What do I tell you all this? I'm telling you all this because in a way, the apparent defeat of Dr. King uh, actually led to a more profound and deeper victory over the racial inequalities in America. And it kind of reminds us of the picture that we need to have when we look at the death of Jesus Christ on the cross. You see, Jesus looked like he was defeated. He died on that cruel cross. But his defeat, his death, actually brought about this profound victory for you and for me, not just for him. It actually bought us our salvation. The question that we all need to ask is this. Why are we actually saved, right? How does the death of Jesus on the cross actually save us? Save us from what? The popular explanation is that the death of Jesus on the cross saved us from the wrath of God. So we have this big, bully, angry God who was mad at us because of our sin. And he, so he sends Jesus into the world. And he, 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 you know, he takes out his, his anger on Jesus and punishes him so that we don't have to go to hell. Sounds familiar? That's the good news. Maybe some of you are thinking, yeah, that sounds very familiar. That's what I've been taught. Why should I taught any different? That's what we've been hearing all this while. What's wrong with that view? Well, what's wrong with that view is that it is completely wrong. You see, that is not the God that we worship. That is a complete 
uh, utter distortion of the image of a loving God that we have in Jesus Christ, right? So uh, to answer the question, what does Jesus' death actually do for us on the cross, we need to understand this one thing, that when Jesus came into our world, He said, you know, I come from God. I and the Father are one. If you have seen me, you have seen the Father. And what kind of God do we see in Jesus? The kind of God that we see in Jesus is a loving, merciful, and gracious kind of God. And that's why I agree with theologian Gregory Boyd, who says this, that Jesus did not come to appease the Father's wrath, but instead Jesus came to reveal the Father's love for us. That's the reason why Jesus came. You see, if God is angry at us and He takes out His anger on Jesus and Jesus must be punished to, for, to, for the forgiveness of our sin, all right, that is the barbaric law of an eye for an eye and a tooth for a tooth. Am I right? That's called lax talionis in, in, in Latin. It means the law of talion from which we get the word retaliation. That's the law of retaliation. Is that the kind of God that we worship? Is that His character? He's the God who retaliates? He's the God who can't wait to lash out His anger on people because of sin? No, that's not the God that Jesus represents to all of us while He was walking down on earth. This is the kind of God that Jesus reveals to us, captured beautifully in a very famous John 3.16. It says, For God so loved the world that He gave His one and only Son, so that whoever believes in Him will not die, will not perish, but have eternal life. And it actually goes on. For God did not send His Son into the world to condemn the world, but to save the world through Him. Listen. God did not send Jesus to condemn the world. Why? Because He loved the world. That's what John 3, 16 says. He loved the world. He loves you and He loves me. That's who God is, right? But we turn this beautiful verse upside down and theologian N.T. Wright is right. He said this, that we turn this beautiful verse and we read it like this. For God so hated the world that He killed His one and only Son. That's not what John 3, 16 says. So if Jesus did not come and die to appease His Father's wrath, so what did Jesus come to do? What does the cross of Jesus Christ actually accomplish for us? That's the question that we need to ask, right? That's the question that we need to ask. And we need to know this reason because it is important. It's going to affect everything that we do. It doesn't matter if you're a follower of Jesus Christ or not. Unless we have the complete and correct picture of God and Jesus, it is almost impossible for us to get our life right. Listen to what the writer of Hebrews says. The Son also became flesh and blood. That means Jesus, He comes from God. He's actually God Himself. You know, He's not like a lesser God. He is actually God. But this God became for you and me flesh and blood for only as a human being could he die. As a God, he cannot die, but as a human being, he could. But why is it important for Jesus to die? 
And only by dying, listen, only by dying could he, what? Appease the wrath of God? No, only by dying could he break the power of the devil who had the power of death. That's our real enemy. Our real enemy is the devil, and he had the power of death. So the, the coming and the death of Jesus on the cross actually breaks that, right? And not only that, listen, the writer of Hebrews continue. Uh, in this way, he could, could he set free all who have, what? All who have lived their lives as slaves to the fear of dying. And that's all of us, whether you want to admit it or not, whether you realize it or not, whether you acknowledge it or not. The fear of death is the reason why we do a lot of crazy stuff in this world, right? It's the reason why we manipulate people. It's the reason why, you know, we extort people. It's the reason why we accumulate stuff. It's the reason why we hoard. Why? Because, you know, we want to give some sort of meaning to our lives in the face of death. That's what we try to do, actually, behind the scene. We don't even know it. And Jesus, His death and resurrection replaces that fear of death in us and replace it with the, 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 the resurrection hope, you see. And that's why Jesus died. And that's why He rose again on the third day, to replace that fear of death with the resurrection glory. And so in the process, He actually breaks the power of sin over our lives. But you don't have to take my word for it. Take Jesus' word for it. Listen to the very words of Jesus. In 1 John chapter 3, verse 17, this is what Jesus says. The one who does what is sinful is of the devil. Okay? Because the devil has been sinning from the beginning. The reason... Pay attention, everybody. The reason the Son of God appeared was what? To appease the anger of God? No. To destroy the devil's work, a real enemy. You know what Satan is called in the Bible? He's called the accuser. Interesting, isn't it? He's called the accuser. That's who he is. That's what he does. He accuses. From the very beginning, from the, from the time of the Garden of Eden, he just accuses. He tempts Adam and Eve, and he accuses God. He tells them, you know, God is withholding stuff from you. Do you know that? And do you know that he's actually uh, fearful of you? You know, he doesn't like competition. God doesn't have your best interests in mind. He's actually evil. That's actually what the, the accuser tells Adam and Eve. He paints this grotesque, evil picture of God, and he's been doing that ever since. He's the accuser, all right? He's the accuser of the brethren, the King James Bible says. He's the accuser of God. He's just the accuser, and he's been doing that ever since. And we are the victim of the accusation that, that Satan and his angels you know, have laid out upon all of us. And that's why Jesus came, you know, this is so important for us to realize, and this is what, what Jesus says in John chapter 13, 17, verse 3. This is very, very good, and a lot of people miss this powerful, powerful verse. Jesus says this, now this is eternal life. We normally think of eternal life as a life that is everlasting, which is also true, right? 
But eternal life is actually more than just its length, more than just the duration. According to Jesus, this is eternal life. Eternal life is this, that they know you, the only true God and Jesus Christ whom you have sent. That's eternal life. Knowing the one true God, acknowledging Him and seeing Him for who He truly is, that is eternal life. Now, if that is eternal life, if eternal life is knowing God, that means death or sin is not knowing God, right? Sin is actually more, so much more than just moral failures. Moral failures are just the symptoms of our sin. The real problem that we have is that we don't know God. That's the real problem that we have. That's sin. That's, that brings us death. We don't know what God is really, really like. Because Satan, the devil, he accuses God for something that he is not. And he paints this, this evil picture of God in our brains. And that's how we see God now. The accuser in us actually accuses God, and we, we make God to be the accuser. Can you see how funny that is, right? It's not really funny, but it's terrible. We have this, this need to accuse because of the devil, and then we put this accusation on God, and we make God to be the accuser. So now, the way we see God is this. We see God as a judge who just can't wait to punish us, a, a judge who is always angry. We see God as this, as this watcher, an eye in the sky, who always looks down, not looking out for us, but he looks down, catching us when we fall, you know, getting ready to just, aha, you make that mistake again, you make that mistake again, you make that mistake again. He's like this cosmic lawyer who builds a case against us for that final day of judgment. That's why we're all fearful of death, because it might be true. You see, that's the real problem that we have, and that's what Jesus came to do. Jesus came, right? He came for our substitute, that's for sure. You know, what can wash away my sin? Nothing but the blood of Jesus. What a wonderful song. But he also came to destroy the work of the devil. He came to destroy sin. He came to destroy death. And he came to destroy the work of the devil who puts this accusation in our brain against God. And so, in doing so, Jesus actually sets us free. Because when you look at the cross, now you don't see anger. That's why the cross of Jesus is not an expression of God's wrath or anger. When we see the cross, we should see it from the lens of Jesus. We should see it from the lens of love. The cross of Jesus is a showcase of God's love for you and for me. The cross disarms the works of the devil from the very beginning of time who paints a very wrong picture of God, this monstrous picture of God. The cross disarms all that. And Jesus is saying, basically through his selfless act of dying on the cross, Jesus is proclaiming Far and wide, this is how much God loves you. God allows His Son, Jesus Christ. When I heard that testimony from Mary, I couldn't help but, but shedding a tear down there. 
It's terrible. But God allowed His Son to suffer the brunt of sin, to suffer the full weight of sin. He allowed it to happen. Why? Because God wants to defeat once and for all. He wants to disarm once and for all the works of the devil in this world, in our lives, in your life, right? And the reason why he does all that is simply because of the love that he has for us. For God so loved the world that he gave Jesus for you and for me. That's his motivation. Nothing else. If you're wondering if God accepts you or not, if you're wondering if He forgives you or not, if you're wondering if He wants you or not, look no further than the cross. The cross is not a display of His wrath. It's a showcase of His love for you. I imagine if my wife is trapped in a burning building, I would, I would come in for her. I would. I would break doors, windows, maybe getting myself injured. I don't care. I would come in and rescue her. Why? That's what love does. Even if my wife is trapped in that building for uh, her own stupid reason, I would still come in and rescue her. Why? That's what love does. Even if she's stuck in that building because of sinful reason, let's say she would never do this. Let's say she had an affair with a guy, and the guy ties her up and sets the building on fire. And I know it, I would still come in and rescue her. That's what love does. That's exactly the relationship that we have with our Creator God. We are His bride. We are in a relationship with God. But as His bride, we, we had an affair. We had an affair. We got trapped in this building. We got tied up. And, and the building is set on fire, not by God, by the devil. And God says, I would come in for you. I would die for you. That's what love does. That's what love does. And that's exactly what John 3.16 means. For God so loved you and me that He gave His one and only Son so that whoever trusts Him, whoever believes in Him, will not die but have everlasting life. You don't need to perform before God. You don't need to, to act righteous before God. God knows our condition. He knows the state that we are in. And he says, that's okay. That's okay. I'm not mad at you. I am madly in love with you. So madly in love with you. I would give you my very best, my son. I would give him to you. For you, on your behalf. So that you could be restored again in this beautiful relationship that I had in mind for you from the very beginning of time. Your image of me that's been distorted. Your view of me that is, that is not right, that is sin. I want to rescue you from all of that. And I want you to spend an everlasting life with me forever and ever.
And that's why we call Good Friday good. It's terrible for Jesus. It was one of the most, um, I reckon, agony that he's ever felt. Even from the Garden of Gethsemane, he was in trepidation as, as sweat looking like blood dripped from his face. And, he su- and his, as he suffered that agony on that cross, he still, I don't understand this, but he still took the time to think about other people. He said from that cross, Father, forgive them. Forgive them. They don't know what they're doing. You know what Jesus is saying? It's not their fault. They don't know what they're doing. Their eyes have been blinded by the accuser. Forgive them. They don't know what they're doing. And I think Jesus is still praying the same prayer right now. Father, forgive. Forgive them. They don't know what they're doing. Thank you for listening to this podcast. For more great resources and to keep yourself up to date, head to our website. Visit therocks.church.com.